how can we think theologically what are the main components of church mm-hmm. and kind of distill and, and, and take out what's tradition and really what's the essence of church that could be done in different ways and it's still church but make it relevant right. to different contexts. Welcome to Advent Next, a place where we hold life and faith discussions with experts and PhD professors about theology, history, culture, and faith. So what is church? Is it the building, the traditions, and liturgy? Is it the people? Or is it the theology that binds the people and community together? It's often discussed, and we hear it all the time, that young people continue to leave the church. But in order to answer the question of why, I think it's important that we have a grasp upon what is church and whether or not we've been placing emphasis upon traditions or other things rather than the essentials of what would make a church relevant and adaptable to different contexts and to different generations. So in the exploration of the question of what is church and how we can distill the most essential elements of church to make it adaptable to our context, we've invited Dr. Gerardo Audrey to share his thoughts He's a pastor, he has his demon from Fuller, and right now he's currently working on his PhD in ecclesiology from Andrews. Thank you so much, Gerardo. Audrey, is that how you say your last yeah. name? Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to... Audrey, 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 okay. Audrey in Spanish, so okay. you can I, choose, you can The choose. rolling R is hard for me. <laughs> I know, for everybody, most people, yeah. Yeah, thanks so much for being on the show today. We appreciate you having, having you on. Wait, Thank don't you. you speak Spanish? I do, but the, the R's are hard for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they are, they are. They just okay. are. It's a different. Interesting. Different, different. Max is back on today. I'm Thank back. Max. I'm here. And uh, go ahead. Oh, I know the the thing that everyone is probably wondering, and hopefully you can shed some light on this, is does doing this show make me and Kendra televangelists? Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> cool. Big time. Yeah. Does that mean I can start asking them for money? For big donations. Yeah. As yeah. long as you make an appeal at the end. Okay. <laughs> to your personal cash app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I had cash app. <laughs> So thanks again for being on today. So today we're talking about something that, uh, kind of a big word, ecclesiology. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I'm going to have you introduce yourself, but then I want you to talk about, like, if we could break that big word into something a little smaller, uh, what that would be. So first, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, what would you like to know? Uh, <laughs> I could spend uh, okay. two hours sharing my, my story. But How do you get your hair so nice? I'm telling you. I know you're jealous, but that's a different story. <laughs> um I grew up in Uruguay, okay. South America, awesome. and um, grew up in the church. My parents uh, were not Seventh-day Adventists at first. Then uh, they got married, Then they it's an interesting story how they um, got to know the Adventist church. Mm. And uh, But I grew up in the, in the church and um, studied theology in Argentina, okay. um, then um, went to Andrews University in Michigan to do uh, my MDiv. Again, that's a, a long story how yeah. God made that happen, and it was not my plan, but anyhow. And uh, then got married to my wife, Paula. Yeah. Uh, now we have two teenage daughters. Mm. And uh, we uh, worked, served, I'm a pastor, so we worked in uh, northern Argentina for almost three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife was born in Argentina, but her family moved to Canada, to Ontario, mm-hmm. when she was five months old. Gotcha. So she's, I guess, more Canadian than anything else. Yeah. And uh, so we were in Argentina for about three years, and I received a call to serve as a pastor in Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, 
spent about 14 years uh, serving there. That's where I met Max. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a past oh. there, there's, there's a lot of stories. <laughs> Some history back there. There's a, there's a ukulele band. I'm telling there's you. A, wow. I should have brought mine, but... There's a lot. There was a lot. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, and then uh, about uh, two and a half, a half years ago, we moved to Bering Springs, Michigan, mm-hmm. and I'm doing a PhD uh, right. again at Andrews University. Yeah. And so. you, you have your, your demon from Fuller as well, right? That's right. Um, yeah. God opened a the door there. Uh, I was pastoring at the time in Ontario, and uh, and it was an amazing experience. Yeah. Uh, did a demon uh, doctor in ministry yeah. in uh, Pasadena, and uh, yeah. So how yeah. did you like how did you like the demon program in Pasadena? Because I, I mean, I contemplated going there uh, to Fuller, and I just I love connecting with different denominations, and it seems like a really good program. What were some things that that you enjoyed from that? You know, at the time when um, I started to think uh, about that, uh, doing a demon, and how it happened, uh, the, the, uh, where I was in Ontario, the conference kind of opened the doors and uh, at a workers' meeting where the pastors, all the pastors from the conference were there, and uh, they were, uh, were planning to be supportive of those who wanted to study uh, as long as they had the funds. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think many at the time realized what uh, they were saying. Many of the mm-hmm. pastors, they were just probably talking to each other, but I understood. So I went and talked to them. And and because I had done my, my MDiv, um, Masters of Divinity at Andrews, I thought it would be great to have another experience. And, yeah. and Fuller is well known for its uh, DIMIN program. Uh, yeah. Worldwide, uh, one of the largest, if not the largest. So, wow. uh, I had some friends that were there, and so I chose to to do it there, and it was a phenomenal experience. Yeah. I think that um, as much as possible, we need to interact with Christians of other denominations. Yes, uh, we can learn from each other. Um, one of the things I, I, and, and this is perhaps a very uh, simple thing to say, but um, we would. Uh, spend a week or two uh, together, um, and uh, and it was a cohort intensive classes. So we would do lunch together with all the other students, mm-hmm. and uh, and then to share our stories and realize that we face the same challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, our challenges uh, in the Adventist faith are not unique, uh, whether it be being relevant to youth, young adults, whether it be issues with leadership in the church or, or, or members or struggles of different nature. Um, and it was great to have fellowship and to see that uh, there is great uh, women and men of God in, yeah. in all faith. Brothers and so, sisters, yeah. here we are. Even uh, I had opportunities to, uh, to share, um, you know, yeah. things that are unique to Adventism, uh, in a very mature context where it's not so much about I'm trying to convince you that, you know, we're better because of ABC, but just, you know, having these conversations, they would ask things about the Sabbath, about health and, 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 and you know, and uh, and it was it was great. It was a yeah. great experience. I, I'm such an advocate for that because there has to be this kind of commingling of ideas because I feel like other churches tend to stay centered on Christ a little better. Yeah. You know, like and we as Adventists we tend to get lost in the weeds of like prophecy or health message or mm. things that are you know supposed to be the garnish become the main dish, mm-hmm. and Jesus, who's the main dish, becomes the garnish. I agree. You're right. Yeah. And uh, uh, in Argentina, when we served there for about three years. Um, I, 
uh, reached out to the ministerial uh, group there in a small town. Uh, and I remember there was this uh, Lutheran pastor who had, uh, he was not at first, not very open to me, an Adventist pastor, being part of that group. Mm. And then I, I, I realized why he had been somewhere else before. And I think a colleague of ours, um, I mean, uh, God bless his heart. I'm sure he was sincere, but he was not the best at interacting with, with colleagues from other faiths. So mm. when I remember when I went to the first meeting, it was like, ooh, you know, wow. why is this guy here? <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, you know, I, you, you're my brothers and sisters, and I like to, to be part of this conversation. Yeah. And uh, over time, you know, I, I saw a change in, in him. So wow. I think we need to do that. So when did you both become Jesuit infiltrators? <laughs> <laughs> I know that our comment section on YouTube is probably really concerned. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, uh, this is not confession time. Okay. <laughs> back in 1990. <laughs> oh wow, wow, wow. It was three. Yeah. I was. Yeah, I was being born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel an affinity. Obviously, I mean, we know each other's background, yeah. but like, yeah. I did my undergraduate work at Tyndale, yeah. multi-denominational school, and I, I found that really enriching and not what I, I went, I went into that experience and this I think speaks to the background of where I was coming from in Adventism at the time. Yeah. But I went into that experience just being like, there's going to be a lot of people here at the school who mm -hmm. need to be called out of Babylon, <laughs> out of Babylon. <laughs> and I came out of that experience just being like, well, the world is so much bigger than my tiny little corner of it that I've occupied. And there are people who have like, vastly different and yet oddly comparable similar experiences mm -hmm. to me and i'm i'm all the wealthier for it in a personal sense in a in a character sense and in an intellectual sense for that and i think that uh it's the kind of experience that maybe rubs people the wrong way in our mm -hmm. church yeah um i think it's worth discussing why that is i don't know if that's the first thing we'll get to or not but i think it's something that is going to come up over and over again yeah. is that it's not a normal experience for adventists to yeah. have yeah and and uh something that i experienced i remember the first paper i wrote for at fuller mm -hmm. and um they have these three components for uh, your re research and ministry is a practical degree so one is of course the bible yeah. Uh, then your context, you need to learn to analyze your context. Um, and the third one is your faith tradition. So you need to, you're part of a tradition. So you need to see what the conversation is now, what it has been in the past. Mm. And I remember the first paper, I was kind of hesitant a little bit. Not that I'm ashamed of our tradition or, you know, the spirit of prophecy, Ellen White, but I was like, I know that this is not an Adventist school, so I don't want to make that the main voice. Or, yeah. And uh, I remember the, the feedback from the professor was like, this is a great paper, but, you know, we want to hear more from your faith tradition. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, yeah. that's fine. I can do that. And then the next one, I was more like, okay, you know, Alan White and all of that. And, uh, and it was celebrated. Yeah, that's precisely what we want to see. Wow. Because you're not here to, to convince us of things. You are, you know, doing research and planning for your context yeah. and your church. And right. that's part of a bigger picture. And you need to not only be aware, but speak wow. within those context. kind of, yeah, in that context. Wow. And so I think it's great. 
uh, also, um, you know, the idea, which I don't think many people have that, that notion that, oh, if you dialogue with people from other faiths, you may be, you may be persuaded to go astray or, right. you know, change your theology. Right. Uh, nowadays, with the information, you know, all over, uh, online and whatnot, if that's going to happen, you don't need, I mean, it's going to happen regardless right. of, you, you know. We should be persuaded out of a few things that, <laughs> well, <laughs> from yeah. uh, from mm-hmm. these traditions. Because, I mean, I think it just goes to show even this professor how mature um, he was in kind of just being just open-minded, you know, and not wanting to relegate you to something that is like cultish or like not putting labels, just be like, Hey, like this is your tradition. Like let's celebrate it. Let's really kind of uh, prepare you for this context. And if we could have that same breadth of elasticity and understanding, I think we could gain a lot from learning from other, you know, uh, denominations as far as grace or really standing on the pillar of who Jesus is. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, just to, to be extremely clear, um, I think that, uh, for example, Andrews University is a great place. Yes. So I'm not saying, right, right. oh, Fuller and uh, Andrews. No, I think it's a great place. Yeah. And I'm now studying at Andrews and doing a PhD. Right. And so uh, at the time, it had nothing to do with like, ah, oh, Andrews, I don't want to go. No, it was more like, you know, you pray and, and, you, and you think and you talk to people. Right. And I felt at the time that that was the place to go for that program. Right. And it was a great was thing. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but I love Andrews too. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, if someone is, you know, some of our listeners are thinking where to go. Right. Uh, please do consider Andrews too. It's a great, great program. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. So, so how did you get started into the ecclesiology? Because right now you're here and you're studying your PhD in ecclesiology. So what is ecclesiology yeah. and how did you get uh, interested in this aspect? Well, to put it in a very short and simple, uh, um, perhaps definition, uh, ecclesiology is the study of the church, the doctrine of the church. Come, the word comes from the Greek, uh, ecclesia, two words, ecclesia and logia. Mm-hmm. Uh, ecclesia is the church, church, gathering, assembly. Uh, it came from a secular uh, you know, usage of the term. Uh, and then um, the church, the early church, borrowed that as it borrowed many other things. How Actually, dare they? Can you imagine that? <laughs> as uh, They borrowed many other things. And we may talk about that later on. Okay. Um, but uh, from, from their uh, cultural context. Um, so that is, again, ecclesiology is the study of the church, the doctrine of the church. And I got into it, I guess, three main reasons. I was thinking about that. And, and number one, and, and there is no particular order, but one is as a pastor, uh, serving, working as a pastor. At some point, um, you need to ask yourself, why are we doing what we're doing? Uh, you inherit, you know, a set of practices, traditions, and, and okay, you get into the motions and, okay, we have in our case, in the Adventist tradition, Sabbath, you know, on Saturday, you go to church, you have Sabbath school, then you have the main service, you may have, you know, activities in the afternoon, a Y and this and that, but then you need to ask, why are we doing all of this? Yeah. Why do we have church? So I always had this question. And in fact, when I was doing the MDiv uh, at Andrews, I went for, um, I spent a summer back home in Uruguay uh, helping the youth director at the conference uh, back home. And one weekend we went with a group of uh, young people camping 
And uh, it was a long weekend. So on Thursday, some of us uh, went to the, the main, the central church in the capital city in Uruguay uh, to, to just sleep there a few hours. Then a bus was going to come and pick us up early in the morning. And so you can imagine the basement of the church, you know, some people playing board games and others just talking, you know, singing with a guitar. It was great. Hmm. And I was sitting next to, at one point, to uh, two of, of those youth, and uh, I overheard the conversation. Somebody was saying, like, hey, for example, hey, I haven't seen Max at church, you know, for the last you know, month. Oh, yeah, I wonder what, what's happened with his spiritual life. Like something is wrong. Mm. And the other person is like, well, why are you saying that? I mean, that, you know, the fact that he's not going to church or lately doesn't mean. So then the question arose, do you need to go to church to be spiritually healthy? Mm. And we had a great conversation. But to be honest with you, the answers did not really, you know, satisfy me inside. And I... I kind of carry those right. questions what were with some of me. the answers that they well think? like you know um you find support uh, you know if we work together for mission we're more effective and work together but then you could you know counteract those so like yeah but you know if god wants to use you alone and and with the through the holy spirit like john the baptist or right i mean right. You, you don't need 10 other people you can mm -hmm. be very effective and well, yeah well for spiritual growth well if god is with me and my family and i'm living in a mountain we can be very healthy and so why do you know mm. um so that that's one of the reasons that i always was like why do we need the church mm. The other thing, uh, a second reason is while I was doing research for my project at Fuller, I had to write a chapter on ecclesiology, mm. right? Because the, 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 the final goal of the project is to do something practical, to implement something in your context. But you ha also have to do research. What is the church and kind of your view of the church, which I think should inform everything we do in church. Right. And doing that research, I came to the conclusion at the time that we didn't have much in Adventism in terms of ecclesiology. We have some notions. Uh, we tend to, the moment we think church, we gravitate to the remnant, the mm -hmm. idea of that group of people. The last that, church. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oops. Um, so, that, and then I found like maybe four or five books. Mm. I mean, you can go to our bookstores like the ABC. And um, if you look for books on the Sabbath, you'll find tens. Second coming, many. And, that, and that's great, right? Yeah. Sanctuary, same thing. But when it comes to the church, yeah. um, you don't find many. Mm. And when you say that, you mean like the church in a broad sense, like the whole idea of the church or like church, like not... Here's a book about the remnant or like, right, exactly. like ecclesiology as a whole. Exactly. Ecclesiology, the, the idea of the church in general. Right. And, and, and I think you're right. You will probably find several books on the remnant mm -hmm. again, because that's church for us. We tend to think remnant. Right. And I think it's good. Remnant is part of that. But mm -hmm. in my humble opinion, and I should, by the way, say this at this very point, 
I do not consider myself an expert. I'm at the very beginning of, you know, my, my journey into yeah. hopefully going deeper in ecclesiology. Mm. I do have some ideas and I'm, I'm happy to share those. But yeah. so, and I remember uh, going to Andrews, uh, meeting with some professors that I knew from before and sharing my burden saying, I'm thinking of doing a PhD. Oh, okay. So what are you, what area? Ecclesiology, great. And, and, and I said, I feel that there is so much to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember one professor in particular, uh, me saying, you know, the more I, I, I try to find stuff, I only, you know, see these books, one, two, three, four, five, something like that. And I would say, yeah, that's precisely what we have. He, they all confirmed. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So uh, that was the yeah. second point, doing research. Mm. The second reason, like, okay, I feel I want to go uh, right. deeper in that. So the third go one, ahead. oh, sorry, go ahead. So, so just to kind of clarify too, so when we're talking about ecclesiology, are we just talking about like how we do church as far as liturgy or like what defines the church as far as like the, the doctrine and what holds people together? Uh, thank you for that question. Yeah. And, uh, and perhaps later on, uh, I'd like to mention something about where we tend to go. We tend to be very functional when we think church. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's more than just how to do things or, or worship services is the doctrine, the theology behind the church. What does the Bible say about church? Why church? What is really the church? Mm. Um, but just to, to, to yeah, finish please. the third reason, which for me is very you know, very important for me personally, uh, working with young people, both at the local church, uh, uh, yeah, local level, local church level. And then I served as youth director uh, at the conference level in Ontario. And that's where we connected with Max and, mm-hmm. and, and we had a great time. Uh, I was blessed by his ministry. Oh, thanks. Uh, social and media. And I yours. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm going to get emotional now. <laughs> we can cry. <laughs> we can cry. But, uh, so, but working with young people, I think... Uh, I would say all over the world, mm. but in some contexts even more so, like North America, uh, Europe, um, uh, we have some serious issues, right? Many youth, young adults leaving the church. Right. By, and by that, I mean the church as the institution, because yeah. we can talk church in, from different angles, right? right. But um, to me, to be honest with you, this is church, you know, yeah. if we are gathered around the person of Jesus, mm. it's church, right? Yeah. But we think of church as the institution, as the building that we go to. And the event on Saturday. The event, exactly. So, but uh, the, the question needs, begs to be, uh, you know, asked, what's next? Mm. And to me, uh, we tend to sometimes, exactly, I'm just trying to promote Advent next, right? Uh, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Max. You're welcome. I'm so uh, smart. Uh, for me, I was trying to do it kind of a, in a subliminal way, but yeah. okay, we'll just point it's to the, the sign in front of me. Exactly. <laughs> but seriously, when you think, okay, if we want to be relevant to uh, the next generation uh, and, and the f- you know, following generations... Sometimes we do things from a very pragmatic, you know, perspective, which is not altogether wrong, but I feel we also need to think theologically. 
Mm. And I don't want to go too much because it's another passion of mine. I think that we need to do uh, serious theological thinking Mm. at all levels of the church, not just, you know, in the academic circles. And then that becomes in my, you know, the way I see things, kind of the, I don't know, the madhouse where we have relatives there, you know, that, oh, let's go and visit them every once in a while and see the crazy ideas they have. Okay, uh, right, bye. And then we go to, this is real life, so this is what we do. No, 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 we need to bring serious theological thinking uh, in everything we do. So again, thinking youth, young adults, how can we think theologically? What are the main components of church and kind of distill and and, and take out what's tradition and really what's the essence of church that could be, you know, done in different ways and is still church but make it relevant right. to different contexts. And so. I think it's so important, you know, that you're bringing this up because we do theology all the time. I mean, philosophy, I mean, study of God or, or, or just the study of how life works is being bombarded upon us all the time, yep. whether it's books or television shows. Like as a writer, like I'm seeing, you know, the story that people are trying to bring across and, mm-hmm. and we can define, you know, what types of, uh, you know, what types of like, worldviews are, are they promoting? Like I just, uh, been reading this book and I'm sure you've all heard of it and, but I won't, um, say the entire, the entire title, the subtle art of not giving a, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but like uh, I've been reading this book and an underlying premise is, uh, is Buddhism, you know, mm-hmm. about like how to like just kind of let go and not care. But he has a lot of other good stuff about, um, cause Buddhism is more like the absence of suffering. And this book is more like how to choose your sufferings, but there's a, a core like theology behind this. Mm-hmm. And so how do we see this in all of our life? And if we're not training the lay people to think theologically about the information that they're receiving, um, then they're just going to be kind of swept away and think everything is cool. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, a um, you may have heard this phrase, uh, Lex Orandi, Lex Credendi uh, kind of principle where, Which means? B- meaning the way you pray or the way we, you do things eventually that the, your practices become your theology inadvertently. Mm. Mm. Uh, so because we do things in so in, in this way for so long, then that's, and let me give you one very simple example. Um, in our Adventist context, when we do communion, mm. all right, we have uh, usually one part of the communion service is the deaconesses come and there is a tablecloth that covers, you know, the emblems and everything. And they take it and they fold it in a very nice and kind of ritualistic way, which is, again, there is nothing wrong theologically. Mm. But I can tell you, and maybe I'm wrong and hopefully I'm wrong, that in many churches, if I were to come as a pastor and say, for the next communion, we're not going to do that part. Mm. Many people will go like, what? What do you mean? This is the way we do it, Mm. right? But when you think, okay, where do you find that in scripture? That's just a practice that we inherited, right? You know, like even Jesus <laughs> explicitly did not do that. Exactly. So There's like, hey guys, we gotta we gotta have dinner, but before we do, exactly, let's take this. Please, like what? Peter and James get up. Please unfold the food the food it, blanket. You know. Yeah. And so. And that's a very, you know, very simple and maybe it won't happen, but I can tell you that in some oh, context, yeah. I know it will be an issue. Okay. For you have to yeah. explain and, and sometimes you go, you know what? Okay, let's do it anyhow. That's, you know, right. let's do right. it. So um, I, I remember when I was studying at Fuller, 
I read a book that really impacted me. You know, there are some books that you read and it's like, wow, this is, uh, uh, and, and that's The Forgotten Ways by Alan Hirsch. Mm-hmm. And I would really, you know, uh, suggest or recommend uh, that book to, to everybody that wants to think about church. And, uh, and in one section of the book, he talks about Constantine and the changes that took place in the church because of him. Mm. And for us, of course, Constantine is a well-known figure, <laughs> right? Because, because of the Sabbath, the change of the Sabbath. And, and Hirsch actually mentions that in, in the list of things that changed. But there are many other things that changed because of him in terms of the way we do church. Mm. And I would say that since then, we um, have been doing church in a very Constantinian way, even in the Adventist church, because we inherited those things. Right. And I'm not saying again that this is all wrong, right. but I think that we need to question the things the way we do them, right? I mean, that's how we got started. We started questioning the Bible and the theology behind it, and then we came to different conclusions. Exactly. And so, yeah. for example, some of the things, and we again, we could talk for a long time about that. To me, it's fascinating, but... Before Constantine, the church was a movement, mostly persecuted, meeting mm-hmm. in homes, right. using even the, the, um, the cultural way of orga- the, 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 that households were organized in the Greco-Roman culture. That's why you have the titles for uh, the, the position, leadership, leadership positions in the church, uh, you know, of deacons and whatnot. Those were terms that were used in that System, in like other the words, household, the household yeah. system. Yeah. So, it, to the point where some scholars suggest that, um, that you know, some scholars say, well, the Christian church, the early Christian church, borrowed from the synagogue, mm. right? The way to do things. Mm. But others have said, you know, well, maybe not so much. When you think of the leadership positions, they didn't take that from the synagogue model, right? Mm. Right. So. Uh, before Constantine, it was more of a movement, meeting in homes. It was uh, uh, um, incarnational, a word that has been used in the last few years, you know, missional, going to where the people were and whatnot. Now the emperor becomes a Christian, and that's questionable. Right. Uh, I don't like to judge Constantine, who am I to judge him? But, you know, it's hard to believe that at least, if not him, but all the multitudes that all of a sudden now become Christian, uh, probably there was, you know, many were not truly converted. Right. Many practices were brought from other, you know, pagan uh, religions. But um, now, of course, big buildings begin to be built. Mm-hmm. People come in masses to these buildings. Now, more and more, you have a group of professionals in charge of everything up front. So it goes from being a movement, being in homes, now in these big buildings where only a minority lead out. And more and more, the centrality is on the leadership. Uh, the bishop becomes central. Yeah. And then slowly, you know, we move into a sacramental view of the church mm. where you need the church to be saved because the, the sacraments, you know, are valid and efficacious done by the bishop or the leaders. So, and if it's done, as long as you go through the motions, it's, that's it, you, you know. Yeah. But now when you think of how we do even evangelism in, in our system, in our church, usually... I, even if we rent a place, a location, or if we do it in the church, we have people come to us. 
right. and sit in rows and listen to somebody up front. It's very Constantinian in many ways. So mm -hmm. again, I want to say I'm not completely opposed to all of that, and and and, but I'm saying we need to question the 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 the, the, the you know why we do uh, we things do. exactly. I'm glad you used the word slowly because I think a lot of people when it, when we get to Constantine, we think of it as like this overnight shift where right, like right, right. he showed up and boom, everything was unrecognizable, and like you know, Nicaea happens in what 325, and for the next few decades like the the state of christianity in that empire especially after constantine's death it's like constantly switching hands yeah and the official version goes from like a trinitarian to an arian version and back and forth all yes. over the place yeah until like 381 or so. i'm a huge nerd for this time yeah, in yeah, history yeah yeah, yeah yeah but it's it's definitely you see kind of the seismic shift in the culture of the church to the point that like you had um new bishops being installed like the emperors like chariots are rolling up to the local house church and just like oh this is your old your old pastor now this guy is like oh great this is the jesus way of doing things totally <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah, it's yeah. definitely it's definitely kind of this cataclysmic moment in christian history and uh, even like going back to what i was sharing about the, the household model mm -hmm. right of church um and it has been proven and, and archaeologically that um, it was very common in, in that context for the woman of the house to be in charge of the household. Mm -hmm. And the man would go to the square, so to speak, and deal with the businesses. And so that's why we see more than once in the New Testament, Paul saying to the church that meets in the house of, and it's a woman, and, and chances are that person was kind of the, the matron of the, the house, the, of the house the, the in charge and, and a ma major figure mm -hmm. you know, of authority in yeah. that context. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, and also for me, and, and, and I don't know, again, I don't have DVDs from the time and how the church fun functioned, but if we're meeting in a home, many of the questions on, on authority and leadership and position really take a whole different perspective. Right. If we're meeting like this, right? Right. And you start sharing you know, as a woman, and then maybe a young person shares, is not the same as, oh, now that person is going up front, you know, right. to, right. wow, a position of something is different. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's more flat. You're literally <laughs> on an actual physical pedestal. Like, <laughs> exactly. the, what the, what's the platform, right? right? Exactly, exactly. And it takes away from this communal engagement that comes with being like, we're around a table, literally sharing exactly. in a supper together and Exactly. Praying and talking together. Exactly. And so that book for me by Alan Hirsch was, was very helpful in thinking, okay, wow, maybe there's so many. And so how can we, if we could literally put, you know, uh, the, the, the church in, in a pot and boil it so right. that we can get the essence, you know, get rid of the whatever is superficial of all the practices. Right. And, and, and maybe by the third or fourth time, I, I don't want to sound too repetitive. It's not that I'm opposed to traditions that we have yeah. in themselves are not bad in themselves. I just want to make sure that we, you know, make a distinction right. on what is really the church, right. so many know, people, the essence yeah. of the church. And it could take that form. And if it's effective in that way, in some context, by all 
means, let's have let's do it. big, massive buildings. And if that's really making disciples, let's do that. But if we need something different, as long as we find this core essential ingredients of what, you know, is part of the church, by all means. And this, this is church for me. Yeah, no, it's true because I think, as you mentioned, so many youth and young people are leaving the church because they find so much liturgy in the church. And they're like, this isn't really significant. Like we're going through all of these motions, but there's no meaning to it. And so it becomes, you know, the the sermon becomes a very small slice of what church is. And then it's like, why do I need to give up my entire, you know, morning to have just a a brief moment of the word, sometimes maybe not that good, and then to go back home. Mm -hmm. I've been contemplating the fact that the church is no longer the central point of information. You know, mm-hmm. back in the middle, mid age, sorry, middle ages, you know, we go to church because we can't read scripture because we're illiterate or it's in Latin or it's in some other language we don't understand. And this is where we get the information of scripture. Mm-hmm. But now we live in a very educated society that can read, can write and can get the internet uh, and watch as many sermons as you want. And the church is no longer the central location for information. Uh And so how do we make it a place of community? And I think, you know, we see people moving to the the sticky church model or like just the small group model where you're you're binding a larger church together by breaking it up into small groups and allowing that kind of fellowship to take place. Uh So I think that, uh, you know, some of the... It's, it's impossible to really, um, you know, describe all the, 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 the transformations of ecclesiology over history. That would take a long time. Yeah. But a few things that I think are important to mention because um, we are heirs of the Reformation, right? So the Reformers came and, you know, in, in their um, fight against some of the, the, the wrong things that were taking place, all right, at the time, the abuses um, that even nowadays, you know, uh, Catholics agree that there were many abuses and things that were happening. They came up with uh, two marks of the church, Luther and Calvin, right? Before the church is very sacramental, sacrament-oriented, now they are like wherever the, 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 the word of God is preached, and the sacraments are, you know, um, secondary. Oh no, the sacraments are carried out uh, properly. Carried out properly. Yeah. That's where the church is. Mm. Yeah. And so, two things uh, that I see, and that's my observation. Uh, first is the 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 focus now more on on preaching on on the right message, mm. right? Right. Um, following the text the best way possible, and really the right preaching, which I think it's very important. Yeah. Um, and then kind of this functional, you know, thing that if th- things are done properly and and the message is the right message, mm-hmm. that's where the church is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that even though those things are important, there is more to it. Mm. And um, as Adventists, we have been extremely, this is again my opinion, I may be wrong, very functional when it comes to thinking the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, Barry Oliver uh, wrote a dissertation in the 80s, he's an Adventist, um, on the structural or organizational changes that took place at the end of the 19th century and then the beginning of the 20th century in the Adventist church, Right. right? And so... Again, to put it, uh, you know, in a, in a very concise way, there were two groups, 
as usual, right? You have two groups, <laughs> whether you call them liberal and conservatives or whatnot. But right. one group was kind of pushing for uh, a more uh, functional uh, you know, th way of thinking church. Mm. Christ is coming soon. We need to get organized to get the job done so that we can go home. Right. And I would say in many ways, amen to that. We need to do what we need to do and preach and share. And yes, we want Christ to come soon. Absolutely. There was another group led by, uh, so this group was led by Daniels and others. This other group was led by Wagner, Jones, and they were thinking more church in terms of ontology and ontological thinking, mm. what is really the essence of church. Yeah, the functionality and all that, that's, that's, uh, so, uh, and then back and forth and this group on, on functionality, the functional view won. Mm. And since then, until since that time, 1903, 1913, until the 80s, I would say, and, and again, I did wrote a paper on that, not an expert yet, but I would say for what I saw, I found, um, we didn't even talk church as in doing theological thinking on church. And it's okay. interesting because the 20th century was huge on ecclesiology in other circles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but for us, we were like, hey, we decided that, we are organized now the right way, let's preach and do the right thing. So very functional way of uh, viewing the church. Mm -hmm. And it was not until I would say the late uh, 1980s and then the 90s and on that we started thinking church again. But again, that's where I said before, we have only a few books and some are the result of uh, an event, say like a symposium where you have a collage of papers, but it's yeah. not, you know, always it's good. It's different views and notions. Mm. So, uh, but I think that we need both. We need not just the functional, but also the more ontological, the, the essence of what, what it means to be the church. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for listening as we break the ice for next week's discussion on adopting a more precise or maybe even broader view of what is church. This week we laid some foundation, but we're excited to discuss more about the concept of the mission of the church which some would say is to restore the image of God, and how that's not always measured in the number of converts. Once again, we're delighted that you joined us today. Whatever platform you're listening on, be sure to comment, like, and subscribe. See you next week.